You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 195. Um, guess it's the week. We're here uh, right about now. It's a little less than 72 hours. Hopefully, at this time Thursday, we know who it is. Uh, John Dorsey may hold on to that thought till 8.20, 8.21, 8.22, whenever they start the <coughs> clock. I think John's having a little fun having everybody uh, basically being the mouse on the wheel at this point. Uh, all of a sudden now Baker Mayfield's name comes back. Uh, this is after this morning, though, when it was Sam Darnold. Look, it, I, basically what it is, guys, is John Dorsey hasn't told anybody a thing. So anybody's trying to talk to anybody and try to get a grasp of what they may think. You're getting it from all different directions. Uh, I do firmly believe that the ultimate craziest sin in the world of Josh Island is not going to happen. I think they realize that it's just not a situation that's going to work for him. So, brings us back to one of two. Sadly, it's not one of three, like me and my guest here this evening thinks it should be. But uh, the first guest in, uh, from when I took over at Locked On Browns, and obviously he's been on many times now. Uh, also from uh, DailyMockDraft.com. Steve and the guys doing a great job over there for any NFL team. They got your uh, favorite team getting a mock uh, draft from Fan Speak done every day. Stephen Thomas out in LA. Stephen, what's going on, bud? It's good to be back, my friend. And it's even better to say that we're. When you said it was 72 hours, like I, I felt like you know. Remember the remember the Simpsons where Homer was running around in the fantasy candy land and he was like prancing around just mm-hmm. so happy. That's what I felt like when you said that because it's almost over i cannot wait for this to be over and a lot of it is because what you just said the rumors have been insane it's been way worse than any other draft season i can remember um and that's a good thing if you step back and think about it if you're a browns fan because nobody knows what they're doing so the other teams haven't been able to get a jump on them john dorsey's doing exactly what he's supposed to do but from a fan standpoint it's especially you know guys like us who look at it literally every day it's exhausting I'm, I'm i'm running on fumes i don't know about you my old friend but i'm i am i cannot wait for sunday uh i actually did a radio spot in buffalo today they asked me how i was doing i said uh i'm an old car the odometers hit two hundred thousand miles <laughs> i took it to my mechanic and my mechanic said jeff just just put her out of her just put her out of her misery take her to the take her to the salvage yard it's <laughs> over. But uh, yeah, I'll be completely 100% honest with you. If I had no responsibilities of a wife or two children, uh, if you could give me the heaviest drugs you could and have me wake up about 3 o'clock on Thursday, I'm all in. I'll, I'll, do a little, I'll do a short stint Rip Van Winkle just to get past this monotony. But, you know, in the same respect, though, what I was talking with some guys today is, guys, what are we going to talk about in a week and a half on a Wednesday afternoon? So look, you know, I mean, it's here. So as much as it does get tedious, we're gonna we're gonna miss it when it's gone. So what we're gonna do here is the way I'm gonna handle these uh, next couple of shows before we get to Thursday. I don't think there's really any new information we can really bring you guys, unless you know uh, some big German wide receiver shows up on the last spectrum on the radar, like did a couple of years ago for the Vikings. I don't even remember the, remember the kid's name. I think it was Bowring or something of that nature. Whatever. Uh, but what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna you know all these guys were been on. You know we've talked throughout the whole time. We're going to start here. Steven, you don't have to be put under the board system of Fanspeak. I'm going to give you, give me your top five in this top 64. Uh, Just make the picks. I mean, we know where the scenarios are for trades, and it's a great possibility. But look, if it's six and 64, that's fantastic. But we think minimum, we're, we're walking out of here with five guys in the top 64. 
You would think uh, <laughs> the only uh, I don't know the only caveat to that would be if they stay at four. There's a I don't want to say a good possibility, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. They trade up uh, from 33, and in that case, they may need to, to you know give up 64. Uh, so the it might be the only thing there though is is Dorsey. But Dorsey, the one thing there, though, is he said he, he kind of really likes having that first pick the next night. I That's mean, it true. gives you a chance to go to bed. A lot of homework can be done. I mean, it's almost like being at number one all over again. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I'll trade up if we've already traded down. <laughs> but I, I want this five of the 64 because, look, I mean, there's, you know, as much as everybody said, oh, wow, look at all the picks Cleveland has. No, it's only one over the, you know, what you started with now at eight. So. That's kind of where we're at. But go ahead, buddy. Take right. us off. Yeah, if you're going to trade up, absolutely. I, you would obviously your first offer would be 35 and something else, so you can keep 33. But you know, you never know how it's going to go. And I'm with you. We've discussed this possibility ad nauseum. Trade down and then trade up and end up with four first round picks. That's oh, that's the dream. But if we're for purposes of today, let's just you know assume we're staying where we're at. Uh, what you said in the beginning is basically true. If you and I had the choice, it would be one of uh, three guys. Well, actually, if you and I had the choice, it would be one of one. Yeah. Uh, but would, we would have already turned in the card for uh, uh, for Mr. Rosen. But if the latest rumor that we can that we have been told is true, and who knows that it's down to Darnold or Baker, um, I, I personally would uh, still prefer Baker. But that's not because I don't like Darnold. It's just because I think they're both really, really good, and I like Baker a little better. But I expect it to be Darnold. That would be, at this point, I'm not going to get all the way to shocked, but I would be very surprised if Sam isn't putting on that first ball cap of the night and hugging Roger Goodell. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I think we're pretty much, I mean, I, I am to the point, I think it'd be, I'll be stunned. It's, we've just gone too far and gone too dangerous with this, and everybody else who maybe put a name there, I don't think that was ever the case. I mean, I think Sam came out because he wanted, you know, he knew this was a spot. I, I think it just meshed well. I think anything else, you know, you look at his pro day, I mean, if that didn't look like a, a guy who solidified a gig, but yeah, I, I think we're, I think I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm stronger than 90% that it's going to be Sam Donald. I'm with you too, and, and like I said, I'm good at it, and we've said this a million times, and sometimes people on Twitter don't want to listen. I think there's four guys that are worthy of the number one pick. And of those, Sam would not be my first or second choice, but I still think he's worthy. And I've, he's actually, his place hasn't, on my board hasn't risen, but his score, if I had one, would have risen throughout this process because as I've gone back and watched over and over and over and read things, breakdowns from quarterback guys, we're much smarter about it than I am. You know, your, your Waldmans and your Schofields and, and so forth. Um, and you, you have to step back and take the emotion and the, and, the, and, the, and the preconceived biases out of it and just watch. I see a lot more of the top-end type of throws um, than I at first glance thought as we were going through the season and just watching the broadcast. And I also noticed a lot more... I mean, there are still things... There's still sometimes that the ball placement lags. I still see his receivers uh, having to reach down uh, and maybe slow up a step. And not that the ball's behind him, but it's not quite far enough out in front, and that could be an issue in the NFL. Um, but I, I see way more perfect placement than I noticed at first glance, and I'm 
totally comfortable, personally, for whatever my opinion is worth. I'm completely comfortable with Sam Darnold. I do find it cute, and I will say this, and I know you're still, I mean, you're in here for a year now, but you're still relatively new to the Cleveland Browns. Um, I find it cute that people think, oh, well, he's not going to see the field anyway. It doesn't matter. That that That's cute. Uh, it's it, It'll be the history of this franchise, and I, I'm not wishing this on Tyrod Taylor. I'm not. But the history of this franchise clearly suggests that at some point during this season, Sam Darnold's going to see the field, and maybe for a significant chunk of time. Because if Tyrod gets hurt at all, I mean, they, they brought in Drew Stanton, and it was a great signing uh, as that third guy, that mentor, that veteran to teach Sam. It's great. But let's say, hypothetically, Tyrod gets hurt third week of August. Now you're rolling week one with Drew Stanton as your number one quarterback? Really? Um, I mean, yes, you put him out there, but he's been hit hurt a lot in his career as well. So then what they're going to do is go out and sign. I, I, I expect them to attempt to keep Sam as the number three guy. So they would go out and sign another guy off the street. And at this point, you're talking about what level are you talking about? You're talking about the Charlie Whitehursts of the world again. So now what if Drew goes down? Now you're rolling with Whitehurst and you've got Hugh, who came into the season at one and 31, screaming that he's not getting a chance for his job. I'll be thrilled if Sam doesn't see the field at all, but I will also be very surprised if it works out in their favor. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% there because of the fact that, and this is what I come back to, it, I don't think John's going to let Hugh play with his new toy. It, it's just not. <laughs> You're right. This is my, you know, I, you know, it's like it's the kid who gets the brand new remote control airplane. Oh, can I give it a try? Have you ever flown one before? No. Then I'm not letting you touch it. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I believe it or not, I kind of saw, I got here, I kind of saw what happened last year when you had a 21-year-old toy. You destroyed it. You're not doing it to me, and you're not putting my job on the line. Right. Uh, which takes us to pick four here, Stephen. Actually, before we get to it, guys, uh, locked on MLB. Guys, baseball's up and running. The weather's warmer. Uh, crazy amount of rainouts and stuff like that. Uh, it should make for a fun summer. Find your favorite team uh, on locked on MLB. So go ahead and check out the shows there. Steven, take us on to uh, pick four. Well, you and I, uh, let me you know, preface this by saying you and I are maybe not firmly, but we're definitely totally okay with being team trade down. And if, if it goes Darnold at one and the Giants are insane enough to take Saquon Barkley at two and then Mayfield or Rosen or whoever it is at three to the Jets because they're definitely taking a quarterback, the price for pick four goes up. And I would be... I would actually be pretty surprised if they don't move down. It could be with Buffalo, maybe with Denver. If their quarterback is still there, they might give up a third to come up one spot. I don't know. Uh, but I am going into it at this point expecting the move with Buffalo. That said, if we stay at four, it, it's we've all, been, we've all had Chubb as the chalk, and it would be a great pick, and I still probably think it's probably the pick. But I don't think anybody should write off Denzel Ward um, – from being the pick here because if you step back and look at it and look I, I totally grasp we've had this discussion before a ferocious pass rush makes your secondary better I, I get that I, I'm, I'm fully behind that and yes they have signed a lot of guys they signed a lot of free agents but if you look at the deals they gave the guys that they brought in none of them are committed long they're, they're all hey we like this guy we think you're good but here's a cheap easily get outable get out of a bull contract so that to me they didn't sign anybody that screams okay we're going to pass on Denzel Ward or your your personal uh, cornerback one and mine Jair Alexander I, 
So while I still would say Chubb would probably be the pick, I think there's a better chance that it's Denzel Ward. Um, just because if you step back and look at the roster, you can make the case that you don't need another edge rusher, edge rusher, but you really don't have a top cornerback at this point. You could you could make that case. Now we don't know how they feel about the guys they have in the building, but I'm just saying, Denzel Ward is an amazing corner. Uh, people have brought up the five foot eleven threshold. He's literally one eighth of an inch short of that, and has a forty inch vertical. So. If you're not going to draft a guy because of one-eighth of an inch with a 40-inch vertical, then go ahead. Uh, but I would say Chubb, uh, but I wouldn't rule out Denzel Ward. Now, that being said, they'll take Quentin Nelson, and you know who knows what's going to happen after that. <laughs> uh, my only thing with Ward is I, I, I think you'd, you know, and it doesn't really hurt you so much in this division, but, it, I mean, Denzel Ward versus A.J. Green twice a year, and however the rest of the schedule stacks, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid he might get a little ragdolled against some of these bigger guys. And the thing with I Chubb, get that. I get and, that. And the thing with Chubb, and you know, you got to almost view it though he is going to be the second, you know, fiddle to Miles Garrett. What made Miles Garrett solidified last year as the guy was the fact that, with along with being a fantastic pass rusher, he was an uber athlete. And, and that's that's the, the problem I kind of have with Chubb. I still think he's going to be a fantastic player. Um, you know, is that athletic drop-off enough from one to four? Um, you know, would they love it if they could even, if they went to five or if they went to seven or they got themselves somewhere in that and they could still get Bradley Chubb and, you know, get some change on it? Right. I, I, think they'd, I think they'd be more than comfortable with that. But either way, uh, if you're going to continue to develop the NASCAR, which is, you know, the NASCAR package is now a base defense, essentially. But if right. you can get yourself to that route, by all yeah. means. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. I'll have no problem if it's a pick at four. Uh, you know, do I would, I would I personally take Harold Landry over Chubb? I would, because I think the pure pass rusher is the bigger need. But, you know, I'm not going to fault Dorsey if he goes ahead and thinks that Bradley Chubb's his guy, whether it's at four or whether it's five or seven. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, and I'm with you. And I mean, there were there were some other names that you could make a case for there, and Landry was one of them, and everything. But I, I'm just trying to. Th- and the drop off from from I mean, comparing anybody a defensive end to Miles Garrett's athletic profile is kind of unfair because he was an absolute freak. So his athletic profile is more in the range of an Agba. I mean, which is still really athletic. And then you watch his tape, and the guy knows how to play football. So I would have no problem with him at four. But I, like I said, and I would have no problem with Landry at four for all of the reasons that you just said. Um, now, the wild card here, I think, and I think, yeah, no, it would be, we don't know what they think of the top two tackles on the board. I, I can't, nothing suggests that they would go McGlinchey or Connor Williams that high. But we don't know what's in that room, you know? So I, I, I would be shocked if it's anybody but... If they stay at four, I, I would be shocked if it's anybody but Chubb or Ward. Or, yeah, Denzel Ward. Well, the only issue with the offensive tackles is is you basically put your plan in, in the offseason once Joe, you, know, you got the word that it wasn't coming back, was we're going to handle this in-house for now. Right. So if you're going to draft a left tackle at four, he better start from day one. Right. I mean, it should and it should be a no-brainer. And the problem is, it's just not the class. It, it, right. You know, and it's odd that it's not a good offensive tackle class. This isn't something we're normally used to. 
So, I mean, you know, I, I think we've probably pegged the round one target maybe for 2019 already. But it, it, it just is what it is. And to just draft a guy, and look, Connor Williams, at the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my deathbed saying he's a guard. Right. Glinchy, it just... It just doesn't do it for me. I prefer, you know, where I can get the guys in round two, where I don't have to rely on day one starters. So it's, you know, I, I just, I mean, I, I would maybe, I, I'm to the point where I'd probably punt on offensive tackle in this draft. But, Stephen, let's uh, carry it well, Let me add Go to ahead. that one. Just one more thing to add to that. Uh, I know I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. I may be alone in this or at least have relatively short company. I, I think Sean Coleman eventually is going to be fine. I still like that pick. I think him and Hubbard are going to... Hubbard was a very underrated signing, in my opinion. Sean Coleman showed... I mean, he Called had, it, by the way, you had, had some issues last year, without question. But a lot of that, I think, in my opinion, was coaching-related. So if they can clear up that issue, uh, I think Coleman has all the talent. He's, he was nasty in the run game. His pass set still needed some work. I think that's a thing that works over time. And like you've said repeatedly when we've had this discussion over the past few months... You pick up the phone, you call a guy named Joe Thomas, who, by all accounts, is more than happy to come work with you anytime you want. So I, I'm still totally okay with Sean Coleman. Now, he could flame out and, and make me look like an idiot, but it wouldn't be the first time I've done that, and I'm used to it. So. Yeah, and, and the other thing, though, is, look, I mean, if you look at every offensive line in the NFL, the, the, so there's a weak link somewhere. There right. is. So, I mean, you know, if maybe it's Sean at left tackle... Maybe that's a possibility, but you also went and you put a heavy investment into a blocking tight end. You kind of covered your bases everywhere. Right. I, I think they're just going to kind of roll with what they got. Uh, pit, uh, Steve, uh, 33, 35, this is going to be fun now because they're going to have, you know, 18 hours or whatever the time is. And, you know, you can pen it down to three names and you're pretty much guaranteed. And especially if the Giants go Barkley, if a guy like Mason Rudolph's there, you know there's maybe a good shot they might go that route and you're getting two out of the, you know, you're getting basically your, your two players besides quarterback or two out of the three top guys on your board. Dream scenario there going in night two. Yeah, it's and this is what I was uh, I was talking about this earlier with somebody. I, I was making notes for this to try to sound at least marginally intelligent. And every single pick was like, well, it depends. What did they do before? You know, I, because it can change so drastically. Like, especially if they make that trade. That throws everything into it into a, a tizzy but if, if we're going by what we've picked here which you know is quarterback and then and then uh, and then Bradley Chubb now you're looking at well who fell because we've heard rumors that Alexander might be there at the top of the second we've heard rumors that Darius Geis might be there at the top of the second you know we've we've heard rumors that Cortland Sutton might be there at the top of the second or he might be gone at 15 it, it, it all depends so at 33-35 if they picked up Chubb Personally, I'm probably going to go wide receiver with one of these and corner with the other, unless Maurice Hurst is there. It's, it's, this is what I'm saying. There's so many ifs. Um, but if you're going to pin me down and say, you know, reasonably, who's going to be there and who would I like out of that group, I would probably go DJ Moore and Carlton Davis at this point. Um, because you know, for previous reasons, we, pre reasons we previously discussed about the corners, I think you need. I, I think you need to take one early. Uh, they might not because they brought in a lot of day three slash UDFA guys for visits. Um, but that would be where I would go with thirty three and thirty five. DJ Moore, if he's there at thirty three, would be really really hard to to pass up. 
Um, and then uh, Carlton Davis, I think, is, if you're looking at it from a measurables and numbers and all that kind of standpoint, he's kind of prototypical. When you look at what John Dorsey has drafted in the past, he's tall. Uh, he plays pretty good technique. Um, I've never heard anybody say his tackling is an issue. So I, I would think he would be a good pick in that spot. Uh, with DJ Moore, uh, look, if you can add anything more you can add to this offense, and now you look at Tyrod Taylor, what he walked into Jacksonville with as a wide receiving core in a playoff game. And now you look at the fact that if you add a DJ Moore to a Josh Gordon, a Corey Coleman, a Jarvis Landry, a David Nachoku, a Seth DeValve, a Duke Johnson, a Carlos right. Hyde, I mean, and one of his problems is he's, he's, never, he's kind of been the quarterback where defenses, after he's ran around for a quarter and a half, said, you know what, the heck with this. We're dropping in coverage. Go ahead, beat us. Right. Well, when you've got a you know lineup of weapons and you can continuously show different looks, and guys are pretty much insane athletes or are great route runners or are reliable with catching the ball, it's going to be interesting to see how Tyrod can work with that. Uh, Carlton Davis, I, I, I love the bully ball. Uh, I love the fact that he's going to beat up the living daylights at within right. the first five yards. Guys, if he does come here, there's going to be a lot of early penalty flags. Just get used to it. It's going to take him a little <laughs> while to get the reputation. It's going to be Xavier Rose-ish when he started out in Minnesota. It, it, they're going to be hankies. It's, he's, he's going to be a guy that does that. So just get used to it. But these are two players I can to I'm totally on board with. Uh, DJ Moore is interesting because, like you said, he's a guy, you know, I think Baltimore's out of the mix now, but maybe as high as Dallas at 19 maybe even a right. little higher. A lot of people think he could be the first wide receiver off the board because with his age and the athletic profile that he has and a lot of the, and the fact that a lot of people love the production and you look at Maryland and realize the program is you know weak other than what D.J. Moore did. So those are two solid, solid picks there at 33, 35. And, I mean, imagine getting to spend 18 hours going, well, we'll just take D.J. Moore at 33 tomorrow night. Not wrong with that. Yeah, it, and it's so weird. Like I said at the beginning when we were talking about thirty, this pick, 33-35, 20, the pick, picks from maybe a little, even a little bit earlier, but I'm going to say 20 to 45, you literally, since we don't know what's going on inside each of these draft rooms, you could, anybody from 20 to 45, you could flip-flop them. I mean, you could, any range in there, any order just about, you can make a fairly convincing case. It's so fluid and each pick depends so heavily on the ones that came before it that it's it's going to be fascinating to watch this unfold most of day two, but especially that twenty to twenty to fifty range is going to be just amazing. And, and for you know for guys like us, that's where the fun is. I mean, you know, you kind of start to realize and know the names that are going earlier. Then then it comes into you know where uh, you know one team who specifies. You know whether it's three cone or whatever drill it is, right, or right. you know what the guy did film wise, or the pedigree that a guy has. That's when it really, really gets interesting, guys. If you're listening through the uh, megaphone.com, I do appreciate it, uh, guys. If it's iTunes, Spotify, whatever app, uh, podcast app you use, please go ahead, subscribe, leave the five star review, wink, wink. I do appreciate you guys kindly for it. So, Stephen, that's going to leave us now as we roll on down. It's it's pick sixty four, and now this is it's this is going to be an interesting pick because the way it, the way it plays out now, you know, Saturday you're going to sit there and watch thirty two names roll on by the screen, 
So, I mean, all it is at that point is just cross the names off a draft board. Guys, you did not get. So this could be, I mean, I don't want to say a reach, but this is one where if you got a guy that you say he's going to be gone by 75, he's going to be gone by 80, right. you know, and I hate for people to say the or use the word overdraft, but in this case, if it's a guy, he's a need, and he's a guy you really like, you got to go take him. Exactly, and and John Dorsey has shown in the past that he doesn't give a flying rat fart what anybody else thinks. He's if a guy is his guy, he's willing to quote unquote overdraft him. Um, so it's very hard to project this this pick at sixty four, especially if they stay put with the picks before that. Now you know if they've made that big trade and they've had six picks already, well then you're in a spot where you could even make a case to trade down a little bit and pick up you know something for next year or whatever but if we're going to go based on uh what our friend ryan burns would say that call the law of the case and use the picks that we've made here uh just talking in the last 15 20 minutes this is a spot where i would expect running back but i would also not rule out uh this is where the uh, developmental tackle guy a brian yep. o'neill or a martinez rankin uh, I know I'm alone in the Jamarco Jones uh, category. I am. I am. My two. My two round two tackles are Jamarco Jones and Chuksoko Four. I would rather have these two guys' future than taking a Mike McGlinchey or a Connor Williams in the top 25 or either one of them right. in the top 20. I'd rather either one of these guys on day two. Yeah, I'm with you, and you know. It, it's very, very hard to project Tyrell Crosby's range. I've seen him in the 20s. I've seen him in the 70s. So if he is there, that's another name you would throw into the mix if you're talking tackle. If you're talking running back, again, it's like we were talking about before. Who's left? Because there's a lot of second-round graded running backs. you got Ronald Jones. you got Nick Chubb. you got Sonny Michelle. You've got Rashad Penny. Some people like Kerryon Johnson. Some people like Mark Walton. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's who's there and and who do you like and now based on things that we've seen thousands and thousands of simulations which are what they are but that's the information we have to go on at this point i would say a nick chubb or a rashad penny uh, are the two most likely if any of them are still around to still be around at this at this spot and i would snap either of them up uh at 64. um now, if they went running back earlier, like instead of DJ Moore, let's say they went Sony Michelle, or if Darius Geist dropped to 33 and they and they, they picked him there, then you're talking going wide receiver here. And wide receiver in this range is your Anthony Millers, your, your Dante Pettis, your uh, EQ St. Brown, maybe, you know, somebody like that. Um, but I, offense seems to make sense at this spot to me personally. I, I mean, you look over the roster, and if, if you know the draft fell the way this did, I, I don't know if you're going to find a D tackle at 64 that's you know going to firmly crack the rotation. Right. The linebacking core is deep. Uh, if you go to add another cornerback to this mix, you know the guy at 64. I mean, if you're drafting him at 64, he's going to be the sixth cornerback on this roster. Uh, we need another safety here. Like uh, I need another daughter. So, I mean, none of this stuff, it, it, I mean, it, it almost screams to, you know, what is the future complement to Duke Johnson? So I, I am firm grasp, and, you know, look, Sony Michelle, all the rumors now are maybe he's a first-round guy, second running back off the board. I have no idea what's going on with Darius Geis. Uh, look, if your issue is that the kid likes to have a little fun, likes to mess around a little bit, uh, when crazy. he's about to become a millionaire... 
after basically living a life of poverty for 21 years, you're all sick in the head. Exactly. And, you know, and the other thing is, and you know, he played the good guy after he went to the combine, was asked in a question in 2018 that is just absolutely disgusting right. in every single way. Didn't name names. It just came up that it was mentioned. It's it, ridiculous what is going on with Darius, guys. I, I, I can't even... It seems to me like the only thing the kid wants to do is get drafted and play Fortnite right now. So I don't care either way. So but I'll tell you right now, you want to let him go to 33? By all means. Please. Please. Let him go for 33. I, I will have no problem taking him there. And it's, it, I, I just, I'm just not a fan with the way that's being done. Uh, now, as we get a little bit deeper here, this is one other thing I wanted to add to, the, add to this. Look, we all do our work, and we always end up with our guys, and look, it, it, the guys end up going, you know, well into day three. Steven, you know, let's go. Uh, I'm giving you the permission to stand on the table. Please keep your pants on. I know that's normally your M.O. You're going <laughs> to keep your pants on here. You're going to stand up here, and you're going to give us some guys that, look, you know, unless you're removed by security, you want some of these guys. Yeah, it's, it's going to be so interesting because we've talked about this before with the uh, as many early picks as they've had, if they even, A, keep these day three picks, or B, try to make them if they do. They may very well have seven guys in their pocket and just trade them away for 2019 picks, you know? So, But if you're talking about... And there are some guys that are currently ranked day three, Duke Ejiofor and, and Quentin Meeks, that I just, for the life of me, cannot figure out why they're day three guys. I think they're going to be long gone. But if you're talking about guys that are pretty consistently ranked in the day three that, you know, maybe not the position of need, uh, but just guys you want on your football team, uh, Shaquem Griffin, of course, uh, Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt is just fascinating to me. He played safety, he played linebacker, he can rush off the edge. He's just really smart and he tested like a monster. Uh, Jannard Avery would be a super addition to this team because he can do a myriad of things and help you out, help you disguise your packages. Um, uh, Richie James, uh, you and I both like Richie, I know that. He would be yeah. a guy, and, and if we've gone you know, DJ Moore early, I don't know where you put him in the wide receiver room, but he's a guy that if you're sitting there in the sixth round, you go, hey, Jesus, this guy produces like crazy. How do you not have him on your football team? Um, another guy I, I've sort of become interested in lately, and it's funny because I spent the entire offseason banging on Josh Rosen's offensive line, but Scott Quesenberry at center, uh, he's got some traits to him that I, I you, you go back and you watch it he's, he's athletic as hell obviously but you go back and you watch it and you go god how bad were their coaching was the coaching how bad was the scheme um because he shows some real i mean not a guy that's going to come in and start right away obviously and center's not really a need but if you're looking at a guy on day three uh he would be somebody somebody that i might think about uh going forward there in the middle of the line uh dane crookshank tested like a monster but nobody knows where to play him and then you got your other guys, uh, your Antonio Callaways, and, 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 you know, they brought him in for a visit, which I found interesting, and we've discussed this before. Dorsey has no problem with the quote-unquote red flag guys. And let me make this distinction, but, uh, to piggyback on what you said before, Antonio Callaway is a real red flag guy. Darius Geis and Josh Rosen, they're talking about their character concerns and red flags. If you're going to lump that in the same category as the red flags that guys like Callaway and Reuben Foster last year had, you're out of your mind. They're not all red flags are, those aren't even red flags for Rosen and, and Geis as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you're talking about a kid who likes to, to ask why and another one who plays video games versus, you know, 
larceny and battery. I mean, it's to lump those in the same category just makes my brain explode. But if you, Dorsey's never shied away from those kind of guys, so you got to consider Callaway. Um, and then it's just some fun, really, really deep sleeper guys. We've talked about them briefly before. Uh, Luis Perez, the D2 quarterback out of uh, Texas San Antonio. He's very interesting. I don't know if he fits into our plans at all, but I would love to see him get a camp shot somewhere. And I just saw today that the Browns brought in for a, a – I don't know if they brought him in for a visit or if they just met with him. I don't want to misquote what I saw. But uh, Brandon Shedd, a wide receiver out of D3 Hobart that I've sort of had my eye on since last summer. He's like 6'4", 210, runs you know, in the high 4'4", got a wingspan of you know uh, King Kong. I mean, he's just – <laughs> and he, obviously, his route tree is very limited because you watch his tape. He's playing against D3 guys. He basically just runs past them. You know, I mean, he's, he's really raw. But and a really interesting day three wide receiver guy for me. But yeah, if I'm going to pound the table, it's going to be for guys like Burks or, or Jannard Avery or somebody like that on day three. Yeah, well, I mean, Burks is the perfect mix. And it seems, yeah, I don't know, you know, yeah. It seems like sometimes some Vanderbilt guys get discounted. I mean, well, yeah, the yeah the program never wins, but I mean you know you look at what some of the production these guys do. Look who look who they're losing to every week. Right. <laughs> you know I mean so I mean if they're holding their own, I mean you know you play against an Alabama or an LSU or whatever it may be, you know you put up a ten tackle performance. I mean that's gotta you know have some premise to it. Uh, but Stephen, this look it, it's been a blast. Uh, first things first, I want to thank you. You've been one of the biggest supporters, one of the big, you know one of the biggest contributors to getting the show to where it is now, uh, you know, obviously, you know, full steam ahead here uh, as long as this franchise, this front office can do what we all feel they're capable of doing in these next three days, the 26th, the 27th, the 28th. So I want to thank you for that. Your friendship, I always do appreciate. Uh, Steven, I know last year you were out, you know, telling fart jokes far away from the U.S. Are you around this year on draft weekend? I am indeed, actually. I get to be at home. I get to watch, uh, well, the first two days anyway. My wife, <laughs> without telling me, she booked us tickets to Santa Anita Racetrack for day three. And I, I like going out to the track. It's fun. But she, she sends me this text and she says, oh, we're going to Santa Anita, Anita because they're having wiener dog races that day and I want to go. So <laughs> on day three, I'm going to have to kind of follow it from my phone. Uh, as I watch wiener dog races, and I wish I was making that up, but it'll be a lot of fun. But I, for the most part, I am going to be here at home, um, unless they take Josh Allen at one, in which case I will immediately turn it off. So, well, I think most of us are in agreement there. And well, and here's the other thing: um, after three to four months of you know, and for for most of us, year round, but after three to four months of wives dealing with nothing but draft BS. If it's wiener dogs on Saturday, guess what? That's Absolutely. The pill. That is the pill you. That is the poison you are going to have to swallow. And for you guys who aren't married, trust me, make your jokes now because we're <laughs> we're older now. We only got to do it like once every month. You, you guys are going to be there one day. Trust me, you're going to be. Uh, but guys, this was Locked On Browns, episode 195 for myself and my good friend Stephen Thomas. Guys, I do appreciate you all listening. Follow the show at Locked On Browns. Guys, we're like. Seven, I, I think we're 70 or I mean under 69 away from 2,000 followers. So guys, come on, let's get to the show to 2K by Thursday. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow Stephen at Browns Mock Draft. Guys, appreciate y'all. Uh, 
there's a chance I might be recording again in here in a little bit, but uh, I got some more stuff coming tomorrow and Wednesday. We're, we're going to pop out as much as we can here before Thursday. I appreciate everybody's consideration as, you know, the house is kind of falling apart here, but it's still standing. So let's go Browns.